can the book of Revelation really be understood amidst all the prophetic language and mysterious symbols? How is it relevant to the 21st century? What is the controversy between good and evil all about? How and when will it end? These and many other questions will be answered, providing amazing clarity to the conditions we see in our world today. This seminar will bring you face to face with Jesus in a new and wonderful way, leading you to the most momentous decisions of your life. Welcome to Prophecy Seminar, the book of Revelation. Here is your host, Pastor David Price. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Revelation Prophecy Seminar, session number 23. We are looking at the great topic of the seven trumpets, an often neglected study in the book of Revelation. In session 23, we want to share the following questions and answers with you. We're going to look extensively at, historically, what are the seven trumpets? Secondly, what empire is covered by trumpets one to four? Thirdly, what religion is also covered during this time in trumpets five and six? We're going to name the two main prophetic time periods that root and anchor this prophecy in history. And number five, what other events do the seven trumpets align with? As we consider the sevens in the book of Revelation, it's amazing to see how these all correlate. The seven seals, the seven trumpets and the seven plagues correlate and overlap in different areas as they all deal with different times in history. So although we do not have time to go through these at the moment, you might like to pause this presentation, study it yourself or take a screenshot of it and study it at your own leisure. So at this point, we always like to just take a moment to bow our heads and ask God to bless us as we pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for an opportunity to open your word as we go into the book of Revelation. We pray for wisdom and understanding and ask it under the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, the book of Revelation covers four sevens. The seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, then the seven seals also covering the four horsemen is an amazing topic that we've already covered. We then dealt with uh, in our last session the seven last plagues, and in session 23, we now go through the seven trumpets. So it's my pleasure to welcome you to Revelation Prophecy Seminar, session number 23, entitled Revelation's Pageant of Conquest and defeat. Jesus has given us in Revelation a unique threefold view of history from apostolic days until the end of time. These three views are given in firstly, the seven churches, secondly, the seven seals, and thirdly, in the seven trumpets. In the messages to the seven churches, session number five, Jesus unfolds the religious history of the Christian era. He points out his people's faults and promises the victory to overcomers. Jesus makes it clear 
that his church is very precious to him and that it will come through triumphantly. The seven seals in session nine unfold the social history of the Christian era and trace especially the great apostasy, the great falling away from biblical truth. The seven seals comfort God's people by pointing out that God is in control of history and that he will bring an end to sin and suffering. The seven trumpets, which we'll study today, depict the military history of the Christian era as it affects the church. They present Revelation's pageant of conquest and defeat. I want to pause a moment to just ask the question, what do the seven trumpets actually mean? Historically, in God's word, they can stand for times of war. Remember the story of Gideon fighting the Midianites when they invaded the Midianite camp and suddenly they unmasked their torches and they blew their trumpets, a signal for war. Trumpets were also played during the uh, Feast of Trumpets during the Day of Atonement and the Day of Judgment was also a time where the trumpets were blown and the people were called to come and worship God. There's a third example. You might remember Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho and as they marched around the city of Jericho seven times and blew their trumpets, notice the trumpets there, the shafers, then you'll notice that they claimed the victory. So, friends, we're asking what do the trumpets mean? Basically, they mean war and bloodshed and the rise and fall of nature, nations they cover actually the military history of the world. So let's have a look at Revelation's pageant of conquest and defeat. First, trumpets one, two, three, and four portray the breakup of the original Roman Empire in both its eastern and western wings in symbols that are astonishing in their detail. In symbolic language, we see the barbaric tribes which carved up the pagan Roman Empire and prepared the way for the papal Roman Empire. Both Daniel and John in Revelation prophesied that this religious power would rule and persecute Bible-believing Christians for 1,260 years. Second, the fifth and sixth trumpets picture the onslaughts of the Mohammedan tribes under their various leaders, which gave rise to another religious power that fought against Christianity. Thirdly, the seventh trumpet presents the final period of time when God's last day church gives the everlasting gospel and the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, 6 to 10 to the entire world. So can anyone remember and summarize the messages of the three angels? Firstly, we're told that we're living in the day of judgment and that we need to come back and worship God, best done through following the Ten Commandments and remembering the Fourth Commandment to keep the seventh-day Sabbath holy. Number two is to come out of all false religious systems and leave what Revelation speaks about as Babylon because she has fallen away from the truth. Number three, they are to not receive the mark of the beast, but to receive the seal of God. 
and that is best done through observance of God's original day of worship, which is the seventh day Sabbath. So, friends, the trumpets finally culminate in that great battle of Armageddon, which ushers in the second coming of Jesus Christ and brings an end to sin. Before beginning this lesson, please read Revelation chapters 8 and 9 and chapter 11, 14 to 19. Then please carefully review Exhibit 1, which explains the symbols of chapter 8. We don't have time to explain the symbols in the main body of this lesson study now, so your study of Exhibit 1 is crucial. Keep this exhibit on hand as you continue to study to give you some of the historical background to this amazing study. Friends, as we speak today about these seven trumpets, we need to remember that in ancient times, the seven trumpets were shofars, a Greek word meaning cell pigs, which actually refers to the ram's horn. So the blowing of the trumpets in ancient biblical times, in Old Testament times, referred to the blowing of the ram's horn. Well, our first heading is entitled The Climax of World History as we begin our study on the seven trumpets. Please join me in question one. The silence of heaven of Revelation 8.1 takes place at the second coming of Jesus. This was covered in Revelation session number nine. Verses two to five give a view inside the sanctuary. Is this sanctuary on earth or is it in heaven? We go to Revelation chapter eight and verses one to three. John the Revelator writes, and when he had opened the seven seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Verse two, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. Friends, I'm going to pause there because in Revelation 8 and verse 1, we have the end of the seven seals. The seventh seal is finished. There's silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I'll come back soon and explain what that time period is in our time. Then in chapter 8 and verse 2, you'll notice the seven angels uh, are now given to blow the seven trumpets. So notice here that the seven trumpets and the seven seals overlap a little bit in Revelation 8, 1 and 2. Let's go on to verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Friends, we're asking here about the silence in Revelation 8.1 takes place at the second coming of Jesus. Verses 2 to 5 give a view inside the sanctuary. We're asking, is this sanctuary on earth or in heaven? The answer is it has to be in heaven because the golden altar was before the throne. What throne? That actually is the throne in heaven, God's throne. Friends, the throne is in heaven, Revelation 8, 1 to 5, and is really a continuation of Revelation chapter 6 and is thus part of the closing events of Earth's history as portrayed in the sixth and seventh seals. Question nine, where did the angel cast his censer filled with fire? We go to Revelation chapter eight and verse five. 
And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. Friends, many Bible commentators understand that no angel is in charge of the heavenly judgment in the holy place and then in the most holy place. So this messenger who took the censer has to be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is not an angel, but the word angel can mean messenger or leader or significant person. It's not always literally an angel. So this person takes the censer, fills it with fire and casts it down unto the earth. So where did the angel cast the censer filled with fire? The angel cast it into the earth. What does this mean? Casting the censer to the earth signifies that the judgment, which is now in progress in heaven, as we've covered in previous sessions, It's now closed. The judgment has ended. The voices, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquake take place at Jesus' coming here on earth in Revelation 16, 17, and 18, and Revelation 6, 14 to 17. Now, let us study prophetic history that leads up to this great event. So let us just catch you up on some extra material that comes from Daniel. So, friends, the winds of war under the seven trumpets give rise to major religious powers that actually oppose God's people. Here we find Daniel's prophecy concerning the fall and the division of pagan Rome coming to pass under the first, second, third and fourth trumpets of Revelation. Brutal attacks by the Ostrogoths, the Vandals, The Herolites and the Huns fulfilled this prophecy in Daniel chapter 7. So notice where these barbarian tribes came from. The Ostrogoths came from the northwest. The Visigoths came from the north. The Vandals came from the north, the west, and the south. And the Huns came from the northeast, many believing they came from the region we know today as China. So. Our question is, what do the trumpets actually mean, the seven trumpets? Let's get straight into the first trumpet. What's going to happen as we look at trumpet number one? It's amazing. Something is happening here on earth. And we see that there's a mixture here of blood and fire and hail. Let's get into it. Question number three. Our heading is the military conquests that destroyed the pagan Roman Empire. What was cast upon the earth when the first trumpet sounded? We're going to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 7. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth. What was cast upon the earth when the first trumpet sounded? The answer is it was hail and fire mingled with blood. This is very, very potent imagery. What is God trying to tell us by this? Friends, this approach to the seven trumpets is a historical approach as we used with the seven churches and the seven seals. So what is this hail and fire mingled with blood? Most Bible commentators agree that the hail 
the fire and the blood represent the savage attack upon Rome by the Goths under their ruthless leader, Alaric. They came like a hailstorm with a massacre, arson and cruel oppression. Family members were separated and people were treated with brutality as the horde swept over Greece, Asia Minor, Italy, Spain and southern France. The city of Rome was invaded and ravaged for six days in 410 AD. Many people think that the beheading and toppling of statues in our day is something new. Of course, it's not. This is what is done when civilizations are overturned. We're going on to question four. We're looking at the military conquest that took place and destroyed the pagan Roman Empire. Question four, the trees of Revelation 8 and verse 7 represent God's people. What actually happened to God's people? God's word says about this uh, first trumpet, the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of the trees was burned up and all green grass was burnt up. So what happened to God's people? A third part of the trees was burnt up. We'll just explain that third part very uh, briefly in a moment. So the question is, can we actually substantiate that trees represent God's people? Let me share with you some extra information that's not contained in the study guide. Psalm 1, 1 to 3, have a look on the screen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. We're now going to Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. We're looking for any references that the righteous people, the true people of God, can be described as trees. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit, in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Friends, David, the psalmist, is reminding us that righteous people are to be like trees. They are to be strong, yet they are to bend with the prevailing winds, the winds of strife, and remain resilient. What a great lesson for those of us living in these last days. Trees represent being burned up, and they also speak to severe, severe persecution upon and mass destruction of God's people. Grass also refers to God's people. The burnt grass refers to the desolation and difficult times that came to God's people during this time of the trumpets. Let's go to our second trumpet. What's going on here? We have a mountain on fire cast into the sea. We have bloodied waters and total destruction. What does this mean in the book of Revelation? Question five will answer it. A mountain represents a nation or a kingdom. See exhibit one. When the nation of the second trumpet was cast into the sea, what happened? Let's go to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 8. 
And the second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire and was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. Friends, this is absolutely incredible. So if a mountain represents a kingdom or nation, when the nation of the second trumpet was cast into the sea, this flaming mountain, what happened? A third part of the sea became blood. What could this mean? Let's have a look at the answer historically. Blood refers to the bloodiness of their onslaughts. Who are we talking about? The fiery mountain represents the vandals under their leader, Genseric. The ships of verse 9 indicate that the power was a maritime power, which indeed the vandals were. Their ships actually controlled the Mediterranean. At one time, these pirates destroyed 1,110 Roman ships in one night. Let me pause there and give you a little bit of the story, a brief sketch. So the Roman Navy had 1,113 ships and 100,000 men. They sailed from the base in Constantinople to Carthage under the command of Basiliscus. Now, during this time, Genseric spoke with them about a truce. And over the five days or the time period that he had allotted, he was able to cut a lucky break. The wind changed late one night. And so Genseric was able to tow some large ships filled with combustible material. He was able to set fire to these ships and the wind took them across and they abutted up against the Roman Navy. The Romans lost 50,000 men and up to 1,000 ships in one night. Isn't this absolutely incredible? This happened under the barbaric uh, invasion known as the Vandals. Meanwhile, on land, the Vandals pillaged and plundered. We know the word Vandal comes from their exploits. They actually ravaged the city of Rome for 14 days in 1455 AD, taking 1,000 captives, including the empress and her daughters. Question number six, how many sea creatures and ships were affected when the Vandals struck? We go to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 9. God's word says, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and the third part of the ships were destroyed. How many sea creatures and ships were affected when the vandal struck? The Bible's very clear on it, a third part. Friends, creatures in the sea and ships refer to the sea of humanity and their possessions. The third part can mean that a sizable portion of the people and their possessions were wiped out. Perhaps there could be another explanation for the repeated references to one-third that are found in the geographical area of Rome's kingdom. Let me share a little bit extra to, uh, to make it interesting and fill out the lesson for you. So, friends, when we look at the pagan Roman Empire in 400 AD, we notice there that Rome is uh, located there in Italy. And of course, that was the Western part of the Roman Empire. As of course, the barbarian tribes came down and assaulted Rome and ended the pagan Roman Empire. 
The Roman emperors decided to flee and set up a new base over in Constantinople, which today is called Istanbul, and it's in Turkey. This then became the eastern portion of the Roman Empire. But there was another portion of the Roman Empire, another third, and that was in the south, where their Roman base at Carthage represented the southern portion of the Roman Empire. Hence, I think you can see that the Roman Empire could very easily be seen to be divided up into thirds. So a third here may represent the southern portion of the Roman Empire near Carthage. And you can refer to Edward Gibbon's book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. See page 227. So friends, remember that more than one third of the ships and men were wiped out in this battle, but it took place in the southern part of the Roman Empire. And that may explain the references to one third that not everyone was wiped out. We hurry on to trumpet number three. What do we notice here? The angels blowing the shofar. And there we see a flaming star or meteor coming down from heaven and smashing into the sea. It seems like a very bright lamp. It takes us into question seven. What fell from heaven when the third trumpet sounded? We're in Revelation chapter eight and verse 10. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. We're asking and answering the question, what fell from heaven when the third trumpet sounded? The scripture says under John the Revelator, a great star burning as it were a lamp. This flaming meteor represents Attila the leader of the Huns. Let me give you some extra material that's uh, extra to the study guide. It's from Albert Barnes's book, Notes on the Revelation. In the manner of his appearance, he's referring to Attila the Hun. Attila strongly resembled a brilliant meteor flashing in the sky. He came from the east gathering his Huns and poured them down, as we shall see, with the rapidity of a flashing meteor suddenly on the empire. He regarded himself also as a devotee of Mars, the god of war, and was accustomed to array himself in a peculiar manner so that his appearance and in the language of his flatterers was such as to dazzle the eye of the beholder, end of quote. Friends, Attila's troops devastated and occupied Europe from the Volga River right across to the Danube. They killed or forced survivors to pay large indemnities, and this was very painful. Attila actually named himself the scourge of God and boasted that the grass never grew where his horses trod. Notice there in the illustration on the left, Attila, flagell dei. Flagell means to scourge, dei means God. Attila, the scourge of God, he named himself. He believed that he was actually sent by the God of heaven. Attila's warriors actually scarred their faces to add terror to their appearance. Once his warriors on horseback trampled 200 young ladies to death and left their bodies for the vultures to eat. The word Hun is still a synonym for plunder and 
pillaging. Question eight, what was the star called in Revelation 8 and verse uh, 11? And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. What was this star called in Revelation 8 and verse 11? The star was called Wormwood. Interesting, isn't it? Friends, Wormwood. The star, the meteor, means bitterness. And you can find that reference in the Old Testament with Moses. And it represents the bitter, cruel, and heartless onslaughts of the Huns, which resulted in the death of many people. Let me share with you some extra information historically. Wormwood, the bitterness of Attila and his Hun army, was revealed in their burning, pillaging, raping, torturing and killing. This whole barbarian race brought a great deal of bitterness to the Ten Nations, which were forming prior to the breakup of the pagan Roman Empire. Friends, we hurry on to trumpet number four. Notice here in trumpet number four, it seems to be a picture of a city based in a valley. Notice this little town is uh, actually shrouded in darkness, including the big church there shrouded in darkness, but the little hut on the hill looking very much like one of the Waldensian huts is in the light. What does trumpet number four mean? Let's have a look at question number nine. When the fourth trumpet sounded, what was smitten and became dark? We're going to Revelation 8 and verse 12. We're studying the seven trumpets and trumpet number four. And the fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun was smitten and the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars. Wow. And so as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it, the night likewise. So, friends, when the fourth trumpet sounded, what was smitten and became dark? The scripture says, very symbolically, a third part of the sun, moon, and stars. Let's understand more about this under trumpet number four. Some commentators say the sun, moon, and stars refer to the Roman emperors, senators, and consuls who were either destroyed or hindered from doing their work effectively. However, they also symbolize the light of the gospel. Friends, can you imagine how hard it was for Christians who were trying to witness to their love for Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel to change lives when they were being slaughtered in the Roman Colosseums, when they were being crucified and burned alive on torture stakes? However, the darkening of the sun, moon and stars also refer to God's people who were also darkened during this onslaught. We go on to question number 10. What power was it that darkened the sun, moon and stars under the fourth trumpet? We go to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars. So it's not universal. 
It's a third. And so as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not, and a third part of it, the night likewise. What power was it that darkened the sun, moon and stars under the fourth trumpet? Historically, friends, we know the answer. It was on the onslaught of the barbarian tribe known as the Heroli, also led by Odo Arca, their leader. The fourth trumpet power is the barbaric Heroli, led by their king, Odo Arca. He deposed Romulus, the Roman emperor, and abolished the Roman Empire of the West. Rome surrendered to him in 476 AD. Government officials, sun, moon and star were unseated, as pointed out into the note under question nine in the exhibit. Rome, pagan Roman Empire, shortly after this was broken up into 10 kingdoms that became modern Europe. The attacks upon pagan Rome during the first four trumpets led to the demise of the once proud empire which had murdered untold thousands of God's people. Friends, I want you to now notice the witness of history that now the pagan Roman Empire, the civil government, will change into the papal Roman Empire, a religious government. In other words, they will now go from being ruled by emperors to being ruled by popes. Friends, it's very important to remember that three of the four barbaric powers pictured under the first four trumpets were also uprooted and destroyed by the little horn power of Daniel 7. They were the Vandals, Ostrogoths and Heroli. See Exhibit 2, Lesson 12. So when were these actually attacked and destroyed? Under the power of Papal Rome, the Heroli were destroyed in AD 493, and they used the pagan Roman Empire to do this. The Vandals were destroyed in AD 534, and finally the Ostrogoths were destroyed in 538 AD. Friends, who was doing this? The little horn, Papal Rome emerged just as pagan Rome was being destroyed. Thus, the papacy was established. The papacy is also identified as the beast of Revelation 13, which has a mark that we must not receive. Go back to session number 19, the mark of the beast. Rome established a counterfeit day of worship and elevated its tradition above the Holy Bible, as we have spoken about previously in session 19. Friends, before proceeding, please study the symbols of chapter 9 and also chapter 8 here in Exhibit 2 in our Lesson 23, Session 23 on the Seven Trumpets, which you can pause and take a moment to read right now. We go on to heading number three. We look at Mohammedanism's bloody conquest. The last three trumpets are also called woes. So fix that in your mind. Trumpet number five, trumpet number six, and trumpet number seven are called woes because they are so extensive and devastating. No more third, one third, one third. When the fifth trumpet sounded, meaning the first woe, a star fell to earth and was given the key to something. What was this key to? 
So friends, here we have trumpet number five. We'll see a um, a man, uh, a man and a horse. Uh, the horse actually has the wings of a locust. It has the tail of a scorpion. It's able to move quickly, and these locusts are flying around doing a lot of damage. What could this actually mean? We go to Revelation chapter nine and verse one. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. So, friends, when the fifth trumpet sounded, the first woe, a star fell to the earth and was given the key to something. What was the key to? The key was to the bottomless pit. We've also encountered this expression before, haven't we? In Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 3. The bottomless pit here refers to the abyss or abusos in the Greek, meaning the pit, a desolate, uninhabited area. The bottomless pit here represents the vast wastes of the Arabian and Sahara Desert, which symbolizes from whence the warriors of this trumpet came. Friends, we're now looking at question number 12. The warriors are represented by what insect? We go to Revelation chapter 9, verses 3 and 7. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. We're asking and answering the question, the warriors are represented by what insect? And there came out of the smoke locusts. This is fascinating. So friends, here historically, locusts represent the Arabs or Saracens. Please refer to exhibit number two. The star of verse one represents Muhammad whose religion formed the basis for welding these desert nomads into a mighty war machine, which in a few years conquered Persia, Syria, Egypt, Africa, and Spain. The Saracens converted two-thirds of the Christians of Africa and Asia to the Islamic religion. They brought in another Sabbath Friday, another prophet Muhammad, and another Bible, the Quran. They also rejected Jesus as the Messiah, and they also taught righteousness by works. So effective was their religious persuasion that they threatened to obscure the light of the gospel. Their onslaughts were largely against the Eastern Roman Empire, and they came like a plague of locusts to devastate the land. Question 13, how long were the Saracens given power to hurt and torment people? In Revelation 9 and verse 5, and it was, and to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. 
How long were the Saracens given power to hurt and torment people? Friends, it was five months. You remember that there were 30 days in a Jewish month? Five by 30 is 150 days. In Bible prophecy, a day stands for a year, as we've established in previous sessions. And so the 150 days stand for 150 years. This is very significant. For hundreds of years, the Mohammedan tribes were nomadic with little organization. Near the close of the 13th century, Othman welded them together and formed the Ottoman Empire. The five months are 150 years prophetic time, five by 30 days in a month for 150. The 150 years began on July 27, 1299 AD, when Ottoman invaded Nicomedia and ended on July 27, 1449 AD. By this date, the empire had attained such power that the Greek Emperor Constantine, not the Roman Emperor, the Greek Emperor Constantine, 1449 AD, had attained such power that he had to ask permission before mounting the throne. That's significant, isn't it? This 150-year period helps anchor this prophecy into history. We hurry on to trumpet number six. Here we have attacking armies uh, in headdresses. They have um, horses that have lion's heads with fierce teeth and are breathing fire. What does this actually mean? Question 14, the sixth trumpet or second woe symbolizes the Ottoman Empire, whose Turks overthrew the Eastern Roman Empire. Who did the angel of the sixth trumpet set loose in Revelation 9 and verse 14? Let's start in verse 12, Revelation 9, 12 to 14. One woe is past, and behold, there cometh two woes more hereafter. Verse 13, we pick up the sixth trumpet. And the sixth angel sounded his shofar, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. So who did the angel of the sixth trumpet set loose? He set loose the four angels bound in the river Euphrates. Friends, this is incredible, isn't it? And it's interesting how it fits in with history. In previous sessions, we've talked about Revelation 7.1 tells us that four angels are holding back the winds of war and strife from the earth. Doubtless, angels have controlled war through the centuries. Here they turn loose the Ottoman Empire to permit her to go to war successfully. In a secondary sense, the four angels or four entities could apply to the four sultanties or kingdoms of the empire based at Aleppo, Icomium, Baghdad, and Damascus. Now, the Euphrates, meaning the water, and we know from previous studies that waters stand for uh, nations, languages, tongues, and people. Waters represent peoples, according to Revelation 17, 15. So the Euphrates River here is a symbol of the great nation and people of this empire. See exhibit number two for more information. Question 15, for how long was the Ottoman Empire to continue? Revelation 9 and verse 15. 
And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. Friends, what's this incredible time prophecy all about? For how long was the Ottoman Empire to continue? An hour, a day, a month, and a year. This is all covered in exhibit number two. This is 391 years and 15 days prophetic time. Please refer to exhibit number two in our session 23 here under verse 15. Let me give you a little bit more on that to help you to understand how this time prophecy is applied. So this prophetic time is 391 years and 15 days prophetic time. We calculate this, that one hour stands for 15 days. One day in Bible prophecy stands for one year. One month is 30 days, so 30 days stands for 30 years. And one year is 12 months by 30 days in a month, 360 days. One day stands for one prophetic year, 360 days equals 360 years. So that gives us 360, working backwards, 30 and one. So that gives us 391 years. And where do we get the 15 days from? The one hour. We did cover this in the seven seals when we talked about silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. So we go 365 days in a year divided by 24 hours gives us that one hour stands for 15 days. So that is how we can anchor this time period accurately in history. The empire was established as of July 27, 1449. Adding the 391 years and 15 days would reach to August 11, 1840. Based on this calculation, Josiah Litch, an American clergyman, predicted in 1838 that the Ottoman Empire would lose power on August 11, 1840. Egypt was threatening Turkey at the time and was well able to conquer her. Hopeless and helpless, the nation of Turkey appealed to the European nations, which agreed to protect her. The ultimatum they sent to Egypt arrived on the dot, August 11, 1840. Turkey was now finished. From then on, Turkey was called the sick man of the East. This is a historical record. Infidels who had laughed at Lich's audacity were so impressed that over 1,000 of them wrote to him of their conversion to Christianity. So the Turks, incidentally, brought the Eastern Roman Empire to an end. Islam, the Turkish religion, now numbers adherents in the hundreds of millions, and its followers are among the most challenging to reach with the gospel. So friends, God has allowed in the seven trumpets of Revelation, the Eastern and Western arms of the Roman Empire to be attacked and the power of the Church of Rome to be decimated under the seven trumpets for Rome had seen the destruction of millions of God's people. The point that we would like to raise here is that Christianity, Christianity has as its source book the Holy Scriptures. The Church of Rome goes by its traditions and Mohammedanism also have their own Holy Scriptures. Let's have a look now in heading number four. 
God's true church now appears. As the sixth trumpet finished its message and the seventh trumpet began to sound, a special religious movement arose. Please refer back to session number 18. This movement was called by God as his last day remnant church to give a positive threefold message to all the world. That threefold message of the three angels is to worship the true God because it's the day of judgment in heaven. Number two, to come out of false religions and leave Babylon. And number three, to be sealed with the seal of God. For God's seal is found in his seventh day Sabbath, as in Exodus 20, 8 to 11 in the Ten Commandments, where God's name, his authority, and his territory, his seal, are found in the seventh-day Sabbath. His name, the Lord God, his um, authority is, his maker or creator of heaven and earth, and that is his territory, the heaven and the earth. So God's seal is actually found in the seventh-day Sabbath. We are to be sealed with the seal of God and not receive the mark of the beast. So, friends, God calls his special last day remnant church to give a positive threefold message to all the world just before the Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. The Revelation um, three angels messages are found in Revelation 14, 6 to 14. So three times God repeats significant events to happen during the seventh trumpet, which sounds until the end of the world. See Revelation 11, 15 to 17, Revelation 11, verse 18, and Revelation 11, verse 19. Question 16, we're looking at God's true church appearing. What apartment of the heavenly sanctuary does verse 19 take us into? Friends, we've covered this extensively in the past, but let's go to Revelation 11, 19. And the temple of God was opened where? Yes, this is a temple in heaven, not on earth. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, not Noah's ark, but the ark, the golden box of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. What apartment of the heavenly sanctuary does verse 19 take us into? There was seen the ark of his testament. This is where the testament is. The testament of God is his Ten Commandments. Friends, you must know from your study of Scripture that the ark is found in the second apartment of the heavenly sanctuary. The first apartment is the holy place. The second apartment is the most holy place, as we covered in session 14. Here is a view into the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary where the judgment which began in 1844 is in session. Please refer back to session or lesson number 14. So I'm going to ask you, if we were to able to go to heaven today, do we know what significant item uh, is found inside the ark of God's holy covenant? And if we went up there today, would the fourth commandment be changed in any way? into the day of the sun Sunday? Would the second commandment be removed? Would commandment 10 be split in half as has been done by the Church of Rome through their traditions? Not at all. These commandments have not been changed. The little horn power of Daniel 7 thought in verse 25, he could change, he thought or intended to change God's law, but God's law is not changed. Friends, why will God's last day people highlight the 10 commandments? 
Is it legalism or is it following what Jesus said in John 14, 15? Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep the things I've asked you to keep and you will do the things I've asked you to do. Question 17, Revelation 11:18 gives us a dramatic view of events from our day through the final destruction of the wicked. So let's go to this text in Revelation 11:18. This takes us right now into our time. And the nations were angry. Are the nations angry today? And thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Friends, what a solemn judgment the kingdom of heaven is giving. So a Revelation 11.18 gives us a dramatic view of the wicked. Note the steps. Firstly, the nations were angry. This equates to our world conditions today. Number two, thy wrath is come as in the seven last plagues being poured out. Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon, the overthrow of all earthly powers by Jesus Christ. There's the judgment of the dead that takes place during the 1,000 years, the millennium in heaven. See Revelation 20. And finally, there's the reward of God's people, the saints, and the destructions of earth's destroyers. So that is in the fire and brimstone at the close of the 1,000 years where God's people have been in heaven and returned to earth. Please refer back to session 7 and sessions 15. I want to ask you a question. How true is this today? Are the nations angry? Are we about to go to war? Friends, we're living in a time where there seem to be wars and rumours of wars, even rumours of nuclear wars. No wonder the scripture says, in Luke 21, 25 to 27, that men's hearts will be failing them for fear and for looking upon those things which are coming on the earth. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Daniel 12, 1 tells us that Michael stands up in the heavenly sanctuary and there is coming a time of trouble such as was never upon planet earth. I believe we're living in that time right now. Friends, at this point, as we're closing, carefully review Exhibit 3 before proceeding with the uh, completion of the lesson. If you haven't seen this before, here are the divisions of the trumpets, the dates that are involved, the nations and peoples uh, that are uh, designated under that. And please be totally aware of this being a historical approach to the seven trumpets. Question number 18, obviously we're living in momentous, exciting and most solemn hours, just moments as it were before the Lord's return. What if it were today? I want to ask you on behalf of the Lord Jesus, are you actually ready? I hope that your answer is positive and that you're planning to be on the side of God's true people. We want to ask you, have you made your salvation certain? The most dangerous thing a person can do is to delay. You know, wait is the fatal word that will doom millions. To delay, it seems so innocent, but nothing is more dangerous. And so Jesus is waiting for you to ask him into your life. Will you say yes to him today? And I hope that again, your answer will be positive. 
because when you choose Jesus, your life will change and your life will be a life that is connected to heaven. God bless you if you've made that decision. Friends, we have our quiz time now. Before we go into that, I just want to remind you that the review of Revelation in these set of lessons is worth going through. And uh, I want to take you into response questions number one and two. If you have many friends and loved ones with whom you want to share this revelation of Jesus Christ and want us to pray that you will want to warn them in time, please place a tick in box number one on your envelope. Number two, if you want us to include you on the mailing list for all upcoming prophecy seminars, there will be one in the following year, then please let us know. Well, we have our quiz questions. There are five quiz questions tonight. They are just true and false, not fill in the missing word. Let's get started. Question number one, and we'll ask you to put the answer in as we go. The seven trumpets depict the military history of the Christian era as it affects the medieval Christian church. In other words, the church of the Middle Ages. True or false? Lock it in. Okay, and your answer is? Obviously, the answer is true. Number two. The first four trumpets portray the breakup of the pagan Roman Empire, both its eastern and western wings, in symbols that are extremely detailed. True or false? Lock it in. And the answer is true. Number three, the fifth and sixth trumpets picture the onslaughts of the Mohammedan tribes, which gave rise to another religious power called Islam that then warred against papal Rome and the Christian faith. True or false? This study guide says true. Number four, the seventh trumpet presents the final period of time when God's last day church gives the everlasting gospel, the three angels' messages to the entire world. True or false? Lock it in. And the answer is true. Number five, God predicted all of these minute details hundreds of years before they happened so we could have indisputable evidence upon which to base a saving decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Please lock in your answer now. Is that true or false? And the answer is true. So we've covered the seven trumpets, the first four trumpets, trumpets five, six, and seven, the three woes, and now we go to the questions that we started with. What are the seven trumpets? I think you know the answer. The seven trumpets represent the military history of the medieval Christian church. The seven churches represented the religious history of the Christian church. The seven seals represented the social history. The seven trumpets have to represent the military history and the war against the medieval Christian church. Number two, what empire was covered by trumpets one to four? Very simply, it was the pagan Roman Empire. And then number three, what religion was covered by trumpets five and six? Mohammedanism or Islam. Number four, name the two main prophetic time periods. They were the 150 years, the five months by 30 days, and also the amazing 391 years and 15-day prophecy. Finally, what other events do the seven trumpets align with? They also align, as we've uh, covered a number of times, the seven seals and the seven last plague. So friends, in this session, we've looked at Revelation 7 trumpets. This is a topic that's not really covered much today. I'm sure there's some good reasons for that. The seven trumpets also cover 
the military history of the Christian church and the world at that time based in the Mediterranean. In our next session, we're going to look at righteousness by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful way to finish this series. We're going to look at these great questions. How are we saved? Are we saved by our faith or are we saved by our works? This is a very, very important question and would divide a lot of Christians up today as to their answers on this. Number two, what is justification according to God's word? Number three, what is sanctification according to God's word? And number four, what is glorification? Many Christians don't even know what glorification is. We're only also going to have a look at the three parts of sin. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this amazing historical panorama of the seven trumpets. We thank you how it meshes in with the seven churches and also the seven seals as we look at the history of the Christian church during the Middle Ages. I pray a blessing on all who are here and understand this message and continue to bless them as they open your word, the Holy Scriptures, and study them. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Friends, I want to thank you so much for joining us for Revelation's pageant of conquest and defeat. It's been absolutely awesome to have you with us. I look forward to you joining us for session number 24 as we close out the series. I'll say thank you and goodbye from me for now. Bye. You've been listening to Prophecy Seminar, the book of Revelation with Pastor David Price. For more information about this series, you can visit the YouTube page, True Blue SDA. All one word, that's True Blue SDA. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.